You know, I feel like today's episode needs a disclaimer. We're going to say some things wrong. It's not going to come out exactly right. But I believe that this warrants a discussion. So my disclaimer is, is if we touch on this topic in ways that are offensive or miss the mark or something like that, we apologize in advance. But we're really trying to hit on something I think is necessary to talk about. And I'd rather talk about it imperfectly than not to say anything at all to try and get it just exactly right. Absolutely. There has been way too much silence on this topic. and There's way too much silence on a lot of the topics that need to be talked about because so many people are afraid of everybody's reactions. Like, what are people going to say if I don't say it perfectly? So we're just going to start talking. So it's with great risk that we welcome you to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice. And, and we're nervous about the intro because we've heard so much uh, mixed on uh, how we should do it. So we're just going to dive into the topic. Today we wanted to talk about LGBTQ plus and uh, ministry. Yep. What does it look like to go ahead and uh, not minister to that group, but actually minister with that group? So before we go on, um, just so that everybody knows, LGBTQ plus stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning? Uh, it could be questioning, or sometimes it's QQ, questioning, uh-huh. queer, uh-huh. and plus is all the other ones that come after that. Yep. Um, I am so used to just saying LGBTQ or LGBT mm-hmm. that I might say that a few times. Um, I recently went through Father James Martin's book, Building Bridges, mm-hmm. and he prequeled the book by just saying, hey, I'm just going to say LGBT because that's what I'm used to, but it could mean a variety of things, and I want to be inclusive of that language. Uh, so know that that's what I mean when I say LGBT. Yeah. Um, I just want to make yeah. sure that people that were listening knew what we were talking about because some people, they hear that acronym, and they may not know exactly what it stands for or what it means. Sure, sure, good. And so my question or my premise or what I propose that, that we discuss would be, those in the LGBTQ community, those in, in, in that community, have kind of a gift that I believe the church hasn't fully recognized. And that gift is, is free time and a calling um, because there's a number of baptized Catholics that would uh, align with or consider themselves a part of LGBTQ, uh, you know, whether it's uh, same-sex attraction or whatever kind of fits into that reality. But if they're seeking to live out faithfully the church's teaching— then they're going to have more free time. And I fear that they don't feel welcome to go ahead and put their gifts at the service of the Lord. When they're seeking to live it faithfully, they're actually more aligned with the gospel than those who might struggle with more secretive sins. Yeah. So, Mike, first of all, can I push a little bit on your presumption? So the LGBTQ community, those who are living faithfully, you know, in faithful Catholics— you think they have more free time because they aren't raising kids, or what? I mean, what are you, what are you like? What are you trying to say? Sure, I, maybe maybe free time because <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> that premise alone, yeah. like free time means you should be serving in ministry. You know, I think it's a <laughs> baptismal calling. I believe that they have gifts to offer that aren't being utilized, and yes. I don't believe that they feel there's a pathway to go ahead in the church and uh, and serve. True, um, and and yet they have so much to offer. Yeah, amen. Like one of the things, and one of the things I'm, I, why, why I'm so happy that we're actually talking about this today is that silence that's, that exists in the church is, is not good for anyone. Nobody's talking about it. So, and, and I'm going back to kind of before, I guess, what we're talking about today, but 
There's a book called Understanding Sexual Identity. I think that's the name of it. Yes. Mark yep. Yarhouse. Um, I read that years ago. Um, and one of the premises, one of the things he says is the whole reason that the Catholic culture or the church culture is not attractive to people in that community is because of, they, they hear one of two things. They either hear condemnation or they hear silence. And neither one of those is attractive. And that's why I'm so glad that we're actually talking about it today, because even even if we're going to stumble over our words and stumble over what we're talking about and make presumptions about lifestyles, whether they're going to have free time or not, um, we're still talking about it. And that's a good thing. Right. And so I guess we haven't seen so often when the church does talk about it, it does feel like it has this air of condemnation, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, so we're going to, we're going to help you through this. We're going to help you heal from it. We're going to help you, help you, help you, help you. What about them helping us? Yeah. Right. Cause they're still called by virtue of their baptism to serve and share God's love to the world. And I don't see pathways forward that exist in the church to make that a reality. And even, even in father James's book, building bridges, he talked about it once in the sense that I've seen, uh, he twice, Catholic school teachers, he's seen that that have same-sex attraction, and then uh, choir directors or musicians, which I, I felt was a bit of a stereotype. That yeah. It was like an artistic type, but mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't matter. It was only in these two areas, and I believe that all baptized people are called to share the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And and we touched on it on a variety show about uh, is someone worthy to volunteer if they're struggling with X Y Z L G B T, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I believe that those who are faithfully living chaste lives, who also happen to have same-sex attraction, don't feel like they're welcome to the table of service, of ministry. And, uh, like, this is one of the things that, I, I mean, I have to admit, and I, but I hate to admit it, is when, when we brought up that topic about having someone who's same-sex attracted working in ministry, my, my initial objection to that was my, my in the gut, and I'm just being honest here, was that, oh, what are other people going to think? Like, because I don't have a problem with it. it like, I have friends that, that are same-sex attracted, and I think they would be absolutely outstanding in ministry. Um, and I would love to see them in ministry and comfortable doing it. But there's this hesitance because of what are the, you know, the bigots, if you, whatever, going to think. And that's not the right way to do ministry and to, to pick your um, ministry partners. Well, and I would say the poorly catechized. Not, yeah, not, not I, the know, bigots. I know. I know. Because the biggest, we can't change their mind. The poorly catechized, we can form. Yeah. And so, it, but, but you're absolutely right. It is a cause for scandal. Yeah. But why? Like, and that's just it. Like, you and I are wrestling with this. Like, why? Because it's a more open sin or like potentially more open you know i don't it doesn't make sense because like you said like we and we wrestled with this last like on the that podcast is you know like someone who wrestles and uses pornography all the time is like more privately it just bothers me like how we're okay with that but we're not okay with this right and so it's cause for scandal and the, the other thing is, is I believe that there's, and Father James touches on this in this book, that building bridges has to come from both sides, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And from the LGBTQ plus side, 
there has been a stigma that has been given that anyone who doesn't unilaterally embrace everything yep. that they hold to, to be true yep. um, or that they value. And that includes those who would say, hey, your calling is actually chastity. Yep. Just like any other non-married person. Yep. <laughs> Literally, the church calls all non-married people to the same and even married people to chastity. But it's the abstinence for those who are non-married and chastity yep. for all. Yeah. There's unfortunately a what we perceive to be a moral issue, right, in regards to uh, fornication. Yep. Um, has become a human rights issue. Yep. From the LGBT side. Okay. And and that that creates a tension to where you almost feel like you have to be encamped, and you mentioned it, yep. of completely embracing and even celebrating rainbow sticker that type of thing, um, and pride. Or the other side is cond- condemnation. Of yeah. Like, no, it's it, it's wrong. It's it's horrible. Um, it's it's a, a scarlet letter. Yeah. And I, I I think that 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 stinks. You either have to wear shame or wear a rainbow shirt. Yeah. And and both of those are not good places to serve from. Absolutely. And so one of the things that as you were talking that came up that made me gave me pause is those people who you know are struggling with same sex attraction choosing to live a chaste life in the Catholic Church. Do they Can feel I like, say struggling? Struggling sure. to live a chaste life? Sure. Do they feel like they belong anywhere? Like how lonely does that feel for them? You know, because like with the like you just said, with the LGBTQ community, they may be ostracized because they aren't in fully embracing everything that they do. But then they also are because of poor catechism. <laughs> Poor catechism, poor catechesis. Come on, Matt. Get there the word. Is. Get the word. Um, they are ostracized also within the Catholic Church. And that's just being honest. I wish it wasn't so, and it shouldn't be so. But how lonely do they feel? Do they feel like they can actually be open and honest with people, or will they be removed from ministry if they're, if they're open and honest? Right. While, while you sort this out, we're going to remove you from ministry while you sort this out. Yeah, and what does like, that mean, sort this out? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so if I walk with a limp, uh, well, until you stop limping, come, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're not welcome back in ministry. It's well, like, what well, about your limp? <laughs> and, and that, and so that, that's the irony in this whole conversation is that we allow all types of brokenness. And then someone who has an attraction that doesn't, doesn't go, you know, the, the traditional way, even if they're not acting on it, <laughs> They're considered broken. Yeah. Right? Unfit, unfit for ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is but stupid. But everyone, everyone else except for those who are divorced and remarried, right? So the, yeah. the, everyone except for those people as well are welcome to ministry. And even those who are divorced and remarried are welcome to certain types of ministry so long as it's not in a catechetical role. Yeah. It's madness. It's madness to see how the door is getting shut for so many different areas. And in this area specifically... Those who struggle with same-sex attraction are yeah. not violating the church teaching so nope. long as they're living chastely. Mm-hmm. So the challenge, and this is, this is big, or the tension is, I believe, elevated when uh, seminaries, uh, for a large degree, do not receive seminarians who are openly, uh, openly gay. Yep. And so is that a model that we should be considering? Is there wisdom in that that we need to be made aware of? Or is it a different, it's, it's not apples to apples? Yeah, I don't know, man. And I mean, that's, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't have any 
data on any of that, but there have been issues with that in the past. Yes. Oh, and in the present. It's not yeah. in the past. Yeah. There, there are issues with... Um, let me just say this. There are issues when people who are entrusted most intentionally to carry the faith forward, ordained clergy, um, violate trust through sin. Yep. And that happens in a lot of these cases of clergy sex abuse. But it also happens when a, a priest leaves the priesthood to marry some woman. Yep. All those are cause for scandal. All those are not okay. So I wonder if that whole, I don't know, if you, if you were to get a, like, if you were to make a group of people and only accept those people or accept on a higher level those people who, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pick a, like, who like to steal? Thieves, right? <laughs> Chris, are you a thief? <laughs> I, I shoplifted quite a bit in middle school, um, yes. If, if the predominant, if the population of your group, um, let's say three quarters of them or half of them or whatever, um, struggle with the, the kleptomania, like they just love to steal stuff, um, will that end up corrupting the whole group? Or will it become this underground, you know, kind of thing? Because they, are, they find out that each other likes this thing and then they go do it together. You know what I'm saying? And I know I'm, I'm, I'm beating, I'm, I'm going <laughs> around and around here, but like just the fact of getting more people that have, that struggle with the same sin together, I don't think, I think that's a, is that a near occasion of sin? Are we creating near occasions of sin if we prefer a certain population? Right, you know so why don't, we, why don't we ask the, the leaders at uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Sex Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, that same question. But that's, that's totally different. They but but open, it's gathering, it's but gathering are, the same people around this struggle. Around they're this open and honest struggle. about it. They stand up and say, hey, right. I'm Matt. I'm an alcoholic. I'm trying not to be. You mm. know? Totally different. Not trying not yeah. to be an alcoholic, but I'm, I'm, I'm battling against that. Right. You know? No, but that, that, that's a very good point because we... we in this area, we can have people in ministry stand up and give testimonies. Oh, I struggle with this or I struggle with this. But we almost wouldn't want someone to stand up and say, I'm, I have same-sex attraction. Yeah. And we would be like, no, 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 no. Struggle with pornography instead. Go ahead and say that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I keep comparing this to other potential sins. Um, you have a men's group or let's say you have a mixed group. You know, and someone says, you know, they stand up and, and they, they say, I, I have issues with having sex with random people for no reason, um, just because I want to. That's like, a, in a group of people, the, the, because of the fallen nature of mankind, you may actually have someone in the group think, oh, cool. <laughs> like, in a messed up way, like, maybe, maybe I can get with this person, you know, and that's not a good oh, thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah someone else like me and, and we can do this together, you know, and, sure. um, and I'm not saying, yeah, whatever, we're not saying this perfectly at all. No, we're trying to land on it. So, so the question is, um, let's, let's change the conversation from if to how. Yeah. Let's go ahead and say yes, because the catechism paragraph 2358 says that, uh, 
Those who have homosexual attraction need to be treated with respect, sensitivity, and compassion. I believe that withdrawing the ability to share the gospel is not respectful, sensitive, or compassionate. Amen. So now the question is how? How can we go ahead and move forward responsibly? Yeah. Right. So, so you mentioned uh, probably someone at RCIA shouldn't be a catechist. Last last time we talked. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's fair, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't still share the gospel in the way. That, let's assume that they're baptized, uncatechized, sure. right? Sure. And so they can still share the gospel, but it needs to be in a different way than someone who's fully initiated. I, I like, and I just want to say, I, I still think it would be awesome to have everybody from RCIA come to your youth group and spend one night in your small groups. That would be a really cool witness. Now, sure. the regular catechist, I, I don't think that's right. But anyway, sorry, we're on, on a different topic today. No, no, but, but <laughs> what we're talking about is the caveats or, or, or some things. And what type of caveats need to exist for someone who is, let's say, openly gay? Yep. Let, let's, let's not narrow it to just having same-sex attraction or something like that, but that they're openly gay and they're seeking to live out the church teaching. I think that that has to be an assumption. If someone's going to volunteer, that they're at least striving, yep. striving to live out okay. the church teaching. Okay. Perfection, perfection. We'll leave that to Mary. That's it. Yep. Check. That's the only catechist you can have, or the only volunteer you can have, if you're looking for a perfect ministry leader. But everyone else needs to be striving, needs to be moving forward, and so we have to have that as an assumption in this conversation that someone who is openly gay is striving, right, or openly LGBT, and uh, and and then what? Yeah, I mean, you have to be prepared for backlash. I mean, because of the church we're in, because of the poor catechesis that our parishioners have had, because of our poor catechesis our parents have had, they find out that you have an an openly gay um, Catholic volunteer in your program. Um, And I I keep thinking about youth ministry, I'm sorry. But the, the parents are going to throw a fit. I mean, and maybe those are the parents that you want to lose. Maybe those are the parents that you want to have a, a chance to talk to. But my guess is, is they won't talk. And so you're dealing with stupidity. <laughs> Sorry. So I, get, I guess what I'm saying is maybe the conversation happens when you're doing your ministry interview, kind of welcome on my board. This comes up and you're like, great, that's neat. That's fascinating. But that's so secondary to the fact that you're a baptized, beloved child of God. That that's probably not something that we need to get into in a ministry context. Mm-hmm. So long as I know that you're striving to go ahead and live out the gospel to the best of your ability, then that's that's interesting. That's an interesting fact about yourself, yep. but not one that's relevant for ministry. And do we ask them to go ahead and say, could you please not share that in a ministry context? Or, or does that add to the shame cycle? I don't know, man, because... I struggle with this because there are, it's not just adults that struggle with this. Like you and I both know that all ages of people struggle with this. Um, And so it might be really good for a teen who is struggling with same-sex attraction to actually be able to talk to someone who does as well, Mm. you know, and that might Mm. be a beautiful ministry, but how do you do that? I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> this, so who, who, who does that? Like who? Like I know that Courage is a support group for those who, uh, who are seeking to live chastely with same-sex attraction. So I guess 
they minister to each other in that context, but that's not that's not what we're talking about. Because I believe that the door should be open and welcoming to allow all people to share the gospel to the best of their ability with whatever, uh, with, with, wherever they're at journeying in life. Yeah. If there was an avenue for same-sex attracted young people to, to go and speak with an adult who is living a, a Catholic lifestyle, who has the same struggles, there would be a home for them in the church. Right now there's just silence and there's no, there's no place for them to see themselves in the church. They have to forge their own way. And, and I've seen this happen. I have friends that, that have done so, often at great risk themselves. You know? Right. The, the particular ministry to those in LGBT community or those with same-sex attraction, the particular ministry exists primarily behind closed doors. Yeah. Spiritual direction, one-on-one counseling, the confessional, and courage groups and support groups like courage. Mm-hmm. But again, um, I don't think that that's what I want to necessarily explore so much as how do we go ahead and get them to share the gift of Christ present in their life? Yeah. Because that is a radical, radical step to make when LGBTQ often states that you have to reject your church of origin, the church that you grew up in, because they're a bunch of bigots. And for you to choose to say, no, I'm going to uh, understand, seek to understand my attractions in light of my God. Yeah, amen. And that journey makes them extremely qualified for ministry if they're seeking to do that faithfully or struggling to do that faithfully, I think is a better way to say it. Yep. And yet I don't see pathways forward. I understand that ministry to them is is a lot of times behind closed doors or even kind of feels in the shadows, which I believe compounds the whole shame monster uh-huh. that exists around this topic. But there has to be a how for everyone, for everyone to be able to uh, live out the Great Commission. Amen. I don't know if this is an answer. I really don't. But when... You're trying to do ministry to women who are in strip clubs. You're not going to send men to do that, right? Right. Heterosexual men, you're not going to send them to do that. You're going to send women, typically, to go and do that. So there, there may be that there's a, a particular, I don't know, ministry in that sense that is perfect for those who have same-sex attraction, um, and that, but that that is pigeonholing, and I don't I don't really like that. Like you're yeah, you're only it's good like over I'm, here, I'm gay you know? enough to do this ministry, but <laughs> I'm not gay enough to go ahead and lead lead a, 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 a second grade communion class. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah, there there needs to be a, a place and a space for them in every ministry. I hate saying them. I just don't like that. Um, I know that, and that's the other thing. It's so hard because we're on the we're on the other side of it. We are welcome to in, into every parish. Yeah, and maybe the best follow up from this, and I really hope that this happens because I would. If you guys know someone who is openly gay and in ministry and willing to come on the show with us, that would be freaking outstanding. Um, because it, I mean, we don't know what we're talking about. Um, we're just starting the conversation. Right. Or if you, as a ministry leader, have some people that are openly gay in your program, of uh, as ministry leaders, how did you how did you pull that off? How did you do that um, without uh, without the pushback? Or how did you handle the pushback that you might have received? Yeah, absolutely. Because we we need to make a home for all of God's children for everyone. 
um, and it needs to be welcoming, and, and they need to be able to use the gifts that they have. And again, Catechism 2358 states that those who have uh, same-sex attraction, and it doesn't say those who struggle, those who are afflicted by, it says those who have same-sex attraction. It doesn't say from birth or from nurture or nature or whatever. It just says, you know, those who have same-sex attraction should be treated with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. And I believe that uh, preventing uh, the ability to share the gospel, which is essential to our baptism, which is essential to our baptismal calling, that means that that we're not doing any of those three. That's not respectful, that's not sensitive, and that's not compassionate. And so the, now the question is the how, and I don't know the answer to that, but I think that we need to find an answer. And, uh, and I, I don't want to say we need to find an answer in a hurry, yeah. because I believe the damage is already done. I think the answer needs to be part of the healing that yeah. exists. And yeah. then we're going to have to do the work to go and approach the people and say, no, for real this time. You're going to be safe here. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to be shamed. You're going to be able to carry the gospel in the way that God has asked you to. Um, but if I was if I was someone that, that was gay, and someone said, "Hey, come come serve at the church," I'd be like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." I've been hurt too much. I'll just keep going to mass on Sunday and keep going to confession or spiritual direction, you know, once a month or whatever it is, and just keep my head down and just stay away from the pain that you guys are seeking to inflict on me. It would yeah. seem like a wolf in sheepskin. Yeah, and that's where in the transition it may be that there are particular ministries that are well-suited, but then the broader ministry of the church may take time. It's going to take time, and, and that just sucks. You brought up something that um, I think is important to, to touch on a little bit, is you said nature and nurture. And Chris and I did not talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Um, we actually don't care um, whether it's nature or nurture. I can say that about myself. I don't know about you, Chris. but Yes, and, um, and to clarify, neither does the catechism. Amen. Yeah. Because in one of the things that you know that came out of Mark Yarhouse's book, one of the things he said was whether nature got us there or nurture got us there. Like debating that is just a big roadblock for any kind of dialogue, any kind of conversation. Where are they now? And that's where we need to minister, um, because how we got there doesn't matter. And Jesus consistently met people where they were at, not where he wanted them to be. Amen. And the same is true for you and I with the things that we struggle with or the ways that we misdefine ourselves, right? Everyone is first and foremost a beloved child of God. Everything else flows from that reality. And my sense is that in the church we say that and we can make that our anthem, but sometimes it feels like that's true except for those who are a part of LGBTQ. Yeah. And I think that that's unfortunate. And I want to invite you guys to journey into that uncomfortable space. Unfortunate <laughs> is such an, an understatement. That sucks, man. <laughs> it, it's tragic. It is straight yeah. up tragic. Yeah. People have taken their own life because of the loneliness caused by that reality. Yep. Let, let, I mean, just to, just to call it out, there there is there are souls at stake with that reality, with that problem. Amen. So so open a can of worms, and we welcome you into the mess. <laughs> yeah. And we want you guys to keep in touch with us. You guys can find us on our Facebook group. You guys can. Uh, uh, find us at mlapodcast.com and then email us at mla at ablazeyouth.org. And please write us a review in iTunes, share this with the other ministry leaders, and subscribe to the podcast. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and pray for a pathway to be made clear. We want to be able to, to find an on-ramp for all those 
who God holds to be beloved. We will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.